So my family and I, we love to travel. And our goal is to go to all the national parks. And so that goal has provided us with the opportunity to take lots of road trips. And in fact, the last three years, we have driven over 13,000 miles across the nation, east coast, west coast. And we spent many, many hours in the car. And we have a Ford Expedition and we have four kids and a dog. And inevitably, at any of these trips, me and my wife are in the front seat, and if all four kids at one point or another in the trip, all four of them are upset with us. They're grumpy or they're crying or they're mad at us because we didn't give them whatever. And at, at some point, there, there's all this commotion in the back. And I turn to my wife and she turns to me and we just make eye contact. And usually at that point, we just laugh because there's nothing we can do. We have six more hours in the car and as we go, we, we just can't do anything. So it is life. And we just remind ourselves that we're doing it, that we're doing it. And I'm so thankful that in those moments of what could be stress, that my wife and I were on the same page, that we're in it together, that I'm not experiencing it alone. A few years ago, we moved up here from Oklahoma and we had about four months of transition of uh, selling a house and moving into a house and things like that. And it was in a, in a time when everything felt unsettled. I had me and my wife together. And the fact that we could walk through this together, this difficult time of uncertainty, made all the difference. Because when she's by my side, when I know she's there, I have an extra confidence that I can move through it, that we're going to get through this. That, that I'm equipped for it. And we all need people like that in our lives. We need people that see in us sometimes what we don't see in ourselves, that are along with us on the journey, pushing us, challenging us, and showing us that we have enough, that we can do it, that we're doing this together. We're not alone. Uh, when you're a kid, maybe you're on a sports team and you know, you're learning baseball or basketball or whatever, and you go through practice and you go through all the drills and your coach is teaching you, you know, how, to, how to make those plays, how to pass that ball or hit that ball or whatever it might be. And then it comes to game day. And you're huddled up as a team before you go out on the field and the coach starts telling everybody where they're gonna go. You're gonna go here, you're gonna go here, you're gonna go here. And as he tells everybody where they're going, there's a sense that the coach believes in you because he's putting you into the game. It's like, you're trained, you're equipped. I believe in you, so I'm gonna put you here. You, you can do this. And as adults, sometimes we, we bring uh, trainers into our lives to help us on a, on a journey, a fitness journey, where we will find somebody and pay them to come alongside us on a goal and to push us, and to make us do whatever workouts, because we're better together than by ourselves. And so we'll bring somebody along. And oftentimes in something like that, the, the trainer knows what we can do physically better than we know what we can do physically. And so they might give us a workout that we don't think we can handle. And as they motivate us, and as they push us, and as they go along the journey with us, we're able to achieve more than what we thought we could because they were there pushing us. And at the end, we can look back and go, wow, I can't believe that I did that. And they're standing there next to us 
having motivated us, they said, I knew it all along. I knew you could do it. And that is what God is for us. See, often, sometimes maybe we don't have those people in our lives, but Jesus is always with us. He's there to walk alongside us. He's there to encourage us and equip us. And we go through life with him right there. And we've been looking at uh, Psalm 23. And last week, Pastor Bob shared about verse 4. And though I walk through the dark valley, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Jesus walks along with us. And we're going to look at verse 5 today of Psalm 23. And this is where a lot of people don't know these verses. They know the first few because they're so memorable and they're maybe iconic. But this is where people that are memorizing it start to mumble because they're not quite sure about it. But I think there's something so rich in it as we see and look into what does it look like to have a relationship with Jesus. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Here, David is writing this right before he says, though I walk through the darkest valley, because it's in the darkest valley where we go from knowing God intellectually to really knowing him. And then he goes in and he says, you've prepared a table before me. God plans ahead. God plans ahead. He makes the table. He prepares the table before me. The table represents that, that, God, um, that God knows our needs and that he provides for it, that he respects us. And so God provides this table. He prepares the table. And think about it. David is is in the desert. You know, he's he's out in the middle of nowhere when he writes this. And he knows what it's like to be a shepherd and things like that. And they live in Old Testament times where there's the idea of tables and things like that was a big deal. We have a table. Most of us have tables in our houses or maybe we have two or three. But back then, a table, a literal table, was a big deal. And God provides the table. And we love the table. The table represents community. It represents engagement. It it represents um, intimacy. Because it's at the table where we share stories. It's at the table where we cry. It's at the table where we share who we are. It, it, it's community when we sit around the table. It's, we, a lot of times we think that it's food. Food brings people together. No, it's not that. It's food is what we do at the table. But the table is really where the community happens. The table is the location for where those stories are shared, where community is really built. When you think about Thanksgiving or Christmas or other times where you've been together, you don't comment about the food. When somebody asks, how was Thanksgiving? You're not like, oh, the turkey was phenomenal. You go to the community and that's what happens at the table. We love the table. We need the table. We need that community. It might not always be a physical table, 
but we long for that relationship piece. And so here we see that God prepared a table before me. God prepares the table. And then he, he puts things on it. He, it's a feast. It's, it's not your normal dinner or a lunch. It is a feast. It is the meal before you leave for prom. It is your anniversary meal. It is the, uh, the meal that you splurge on when you get a work promotion. It's a big deal that God lavishes out. He prepares the table, not just the physical table, but what's on it. And it is desirable. And it, God makes it into a big deal because he plans ahead. And not only does he prepare the table before us, but then Jesus sits down. It's a table for two. And Jesus sits down right across from us because he wants the relationship. He wants the community with us. And so the, the, the meal is in honor of us, but he's the host. He prepares it for us. And so we sit down. He sits down with us. And then it says that we are surrounded by our enemies, which is kind of a, an odd place to think. If, if you got to choose where you would eat, surrounded by your enemies is probably not where, where you want to be. And yet this is where... God decided to prepare the feast. And it's okay because we're sitting down with Jesus. And we, we all have enemies. We are all surrounded by pressures and um, expectations and things like that, that that are pushing on us. And we're surrounded by them. Some of them are internal enemies. You know, the the, the baggage that we carry from uh, past hurts that we can't let go of, or, or maybe it's uh, depression or feelings of self-worth or negative, negative thinking, or sometimes they're outside pressures. They're low, high expectations at work, uh, poor management, people, your boss is just a jerk and, and you have to work for them. Or maybe it's uh, just the expectations of being at home and dealing with kids and things like that. What, whatever it might be, we all have enemies. We all have pressures that are pressing on. And yet that is where Jesus sits down and he meets with us. That's where he prepares the meal for us. He sits down to this giant feast. And then we see that God anoints us with oil. He, he anoints us with oil and he equips us to overcome our enemies. He, he equips us. This idea of anointing is, is really to uh, make us healthy, to make us be the best. And so really what David's writing is saying that you don't anoint me, you, you make me the best. You've equipped me. You've given me everything I need to defeat my enemies, the pressures, that he gives us the strength. He gives us the victory to overcome what we're surrounded by, the, all the enemies, all the pressures of life. He equips us to be able to handle that. And David is not... Uh, David's very familiar with the idea of being anointed with oil because he was anointed with oil as the king. And, and we read this in 1 Samuel that 
that's this idea of you are equipped. Now you are this person. And so he was anointed already with oil to be king. And now we see he writes this, that God has anointed him again. Because the anointing of God doesn't necessarily, is not a one-time thing. God's continuing to equip us. God is continuing as new enemies arise, as new pressures come our way. God is continuing to anoint us. He's continuing to equip us to make sure that we have everything that we need to be victorious in the face of our enemies, in the face of all the pressures, of all the things that are going on in our lives. And that is an incredible peace, an incredible promise that God anoints us. And not only does God anoint us and give us what we need, but he gives us an abundance. He gives us so much that you and I, we, we can't handle all that God has for us. Then David says that my cup overflows. And he paints this picture of a cup. And it just overflows. That, that God's blessings, that God's generosity just keeps coming and just keeps coming. That we cannot hold it all. And that our cup overflows. That it's, that it's going to spill out on other people. Now the thing is, Oftentimes, I think we get caught in thinking that this is our cup, that, that our cup starts out empty, and that it is our job to fill it. And so we will do good things. We will be kind to our neighbors. We will uh, read our Bible every once in a while. We'll, uh, we'll volunteer. We'll you know, be a good person. And we think that our actions are filling the cup and so that God can be proud of us. And so it's our job to fill the cup and to make him proud of us. And we're trying to almost earn it. And here David reminds us that no, God has already filled our cup so much so that we can't handle it. It's overflowing. And the difference between this is the motives. Here, we're trying to do it on our own. The outcome of God spilling over, of overflowing our cup, is still the same things. We're still going to look for opportunities to serve. We're still going to be kind. We're still going to do the things that God desires of us. But we're not doing it to fill the cup because our cup is already full. Now, I think there's, there's a very important key that, that I need to address um, is that God is the one that's doing all of this. God is the one who prepared the table. God is the one who anoints us with oil. God is the one who fills our cup to overflow. And he's the one that chose the table. He's the one that chooses what's on the table. He's the one that chooses how he's going to anoint us with oil, how he's going to equip us, how he's going to bless us to where it's overflowing. God's the one that chooses how he's going to bless us. And it might not always look the way we want it to. So instead of God removing a hurdle that we're dealing with, maybe what God's going to do is he's giving us the strength to climb over the hurdle. Or maybe God's not going to take away our tears. Maybe God's going to come next to us and hold us close and wipe away our tears. 
and just sit with us in that. Or maybe God wants to show us his faithfulness instead of resolving an issue quickly in our lives that, that, that we desperately want it to be wrapped up. Maybe God wants to sit in it with us for a long period of time and just remind us that he's faithful. God doesn't always work in the way that we want him to. But he's at the table. So maybe, maybe you're dealing with a loss. Maybe you lost a family member or a friend and, and you're struggling. You need to be reminded today that Jesus is sitting with you at the table. Or maybe, maybe you've lost the, your job to, because of the COVID and you know that the bills are coming. And you need to be reminded that Jesus is sitting with you at the table. Or maybe you're at home because of health concerns and you can't go out and it's, you're, you're feeling isolated and, and alone. Maybe you need to be reminded today that Jesus is sitting with you at the table. Or you're the high school graduate who's thinking about what's to come. And there's some excitement, but there's also some nervousness about all the changes of what's going to happen. Jesus is sitting with you at the table. Or you're the mom that, that is distance learning with your kids for the last three months, and you're trying to manage all of that and, and the house and everything, and you feel overwhelmed. And maybe you need to be reminded today that Jesus is sitting with you at the table. He's a relational God who wants to be in community with us. And he wants to equip us with everything that we need to handle all that life throws our way. However, he chooses to bless us. He's so generous in that way. There's a confidence that I think comes from sitting with Jesus at the table knowing that he has equipped us, knowing that he has been so generous with us to give us everything that we need. So what would it look like this week to, to take some steps, to live in the idea that Jesus is sitting with us at the table? How would our week be different if we walked in the confidence knowing that? Knowing that Jesus is sitting with us in relationship with us. And he's given us, he's equipped us with everything that we need. He's equipped us so much so that it overflows, that we can't contain it. And I think it's, as we think about the idea that God has given us everything that we need, so much so that we can't even handle it, it reminds me of what Jesus did on the cross that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And to be honest with you, if Jesus did nothing else for you and I, if he didn't prepare the table, if he didn't uh, give us everything that we need to stand up and to be victorious against all the pressures of life, if he didn't do anything like that, our cup would still overflow. We still wouldn't be able to handle it because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so as we continue in worship, we're going to take a moment to reflect on what Jesus did and to take communion. 
Because if he does nothing else, the fact that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that he rose from the dead, and now we can have a relationship with him, if he's done nothing else, that's more than enough. Our cup runneth over. As we think about the fact that our cup overflows, it was at a table, maybe something like this, that Jesus met with his disciples and he gathered them in a room. And as they were sharing a meal together in community, he turned to them and he gave them some bread. And they said, he said, take this bread. This is my body, which is broken for you. And then he took a glass of wine and he said, this represents my blood, which, which is shed for you. And they didn't necessarily fully understand what Jesus was saying in that moment. But we do. We know that Jesus gave of his body and we know that Jesus gave of his blood for our sins. And if Jesus did nothing else for us, if Jesus doesn't prepare a table, if Jesus doesn't deliver us from our enemies, if Jesus doesn't do anything but what he did for us on the cross, our cup still overflows. And so as we continue in worship, I want you to just take a few moments to grab your bread and your cup and meditate on the idea that this is one way that your cup overflows by who Jesus is in your life.